Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to this next episode of the Team Success Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about teamwork and obstacles to teamwork. It's really interesting because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of team members, a lot of business owners, and they aspire to teamwork. They do a lot of the right things. However, there are some obstacles that they have that really get in the way. And I have to tell you, most of them are mental obstacles. It's the way that we think. It's our mindset that really prevents us really being in great teamwork. And the importance of teamwork is really that it's a conscious collaboration towards a common goal. So if you think about your company's goals, you think about what you want to accomplish in your life with your family and your community organizations, it's everyone working together, consciously collaborating towards a common goal. So teamwork would be like kind of obvious, right? Well, the truth is we're raised with some ways of thinking. We've inherited them. I'm not going to say that they're factory installed because I don't think that's true. And we're going to analyze those today. So as I'm going through the list, I want you to kind of mentally check off. Okay, I have that one. No, don't have that one. And to see how you could reframe it, how you could think about things a little bit differently. So let's look at what gets in the way of really great teamwork. Well, first is the fact that we are taught for the most part that we have to do our own dirty work. We don't like doing, but often, certainly at the beginning of our careers, whatever it is that you were doing, there was nearly no one to help you. So you had to do everything, whether you liked it or not, whether, frankly, you were even good at it or not, you had to do it. And the parts of your work, that your role, your job that you really didn't like, the thinking is, well, if I really don't like it, how could anyone else possibly like it? So we have this attitude that if we hate it, other people do. Well, what we've learned is actually the opposite. One person's junk is another person's treasure. And this is really true. So for every single messy office out there is an assistant or a personal organizer who is frankly just desperate to get their hands on the paper, on the stuff, and to bring order out of the chaos. They love nothing more. But what happens is if we don't pay attention to that or we don't think it's true, it's a huge obstacle to teamwork. And yes, you can even call it delegation because we're afraid to give it away. We don't want to give someone else our dirty work. That would be mean. Until you start to appreciate that you're you, other people have very different and complementary talents, and you can work together. So the attitude that if it's dirty work for me, it must be for other people actually isn't true. The second one is that we tend to look for other people like us because that's who we can relate to the most easily. So that expression, birds of a feather flock together, completely accurate. The number one hiring mistake is that people hire clones of themselves. Now, if you actually want someone to take over your job, that may not be a bad thing. But if you want someone who's going to do something to leverage you that's complementary to you, then actually you want to find someone who's different. And we sometimes don't resonate with those people as much. They show up differently. They talk differently. They may talk at a different pace than we do. So it can be kind of challenging. But frankly, when you start to realize, oh, you love to do all the things I don't, great. We're going to have a fabulous working relationship. Make sure their values and attitudes are in alignment with yours. That's really important. But it's really important to not have that assumption that you're going to work brilliantly and easily and everything's going to happen perfectly just because of other persons like you. Truth is, they want to replace you. And that may not be what you had in mind. The third one is that we think that there is a virtue in doing some things we don't like. This is very closely related to being taught that we have to do our own dirty work. And this really comes from the fact that we're often reminded that hard work brings rewards. And this is frequently true. But a slight twist on this has many people believing that in order to be worthwhile, results must be hard won, or that the best things in life require hard work. 
And what's interesting is when you have what we would call unique ability teamwork, when you're really doing what you're best at and other people surrounding you are doing what they're best at, it doesn't feel hard. You're in fact in your sweet spot. You do it really well. You love doing it. It gives you energy. You can always see room to get better. And other people do the same. And so that, in fact, feels joyful. It feels easy. And frankly, with Unique Ability Teamwork, you get far better, faster results more easily than you do the brute force or the hard work way. The fourth one is that we have often this attitude, again, often inherited, that we think it's important to be good at everything, even if we're not. So we put a value judgment on thinking we have to be well-rounded, that we have to be good at lots of things, that it's not okay to not be good at things. It's like everyone needs to be minimally competent at everything. Well, truth be told, you're not. This is where our identity and ego gets in the way. We hate admitting that we have a weakness. That just feels awful. But really, it is perfectly fine to have things you're not great at because guess what? There are other things at which you are fabulous. And the more time you spend doing them and the more you're conscious of who your audience is and how you create value, the more useful you are. But often we will focus on our weaknesses and try and grow them and get them really good and mitigate them and fix them, and we neglect our strengths. If you've read anything from Gallup with regard to StrengthsFinder, if you've done the StrengthsFinder 2.0 profile, if you've read Strengths-Based Leadership, which I highly recommend, any of their information talks about the fact that people really need to focus in on their strengths. When you grow your strengths, you're happier, you're more successful, you definitely have better teamwork, and frankly, you have better results. But no, we are trained to work on our weaknesses. Well, what we've discovered at Strategic Coach, if you do that for a really long time, you end up with really strong weaknesses. Probably not your success strategy that you were planning on. In today's world, it is incredibly important that people are aware of their strengths and play to those strengths. We are no longer in the industrial economy where everyone had to be the same to work in factories, which is actually how our school systems were designed. What people want from now is our uniqueness. How are we special? How can we add something different? And how can we be collaborative and creative and teamwork to be able to do that? So it's really important that you know what you're good at and also what you're not. The fifth one is that we find it really, really hard to give up what got us to where we are now. Now, this is interesting because I work with a lot of leaders, a lot of entrepreneurs who have what I call a death grip on certain types of activities. And why? Because they've always done them. Dan Sullivan has a great expression. He says, the skills that get you out of Egypt aren't the ones that are going to get you into the promised land. And this is really true. So often we have to let go of, we have to release some of those things that got us to where we are now in order to get to our next level of success. So it's really important that you have a powerful goal. Otherwise, teamwork and delegation and working with other people, frankly, just looks like too hard and not fun. But when you have a powerful goal to do something bigger and better that is much more expansive than what you could do for yourself, you have to engage in unique teamwork. You have to not be what we call a rugged individual. If you want to be a rugged individual, frankly, you're going to play a smaller game. It's only with unique teamwork that you can really play a much bigger game, which I presume is why you're listing right now, because you want to play a big game and have a lot of fun doing it. So being a rugged individual is something that is common. I think all of us have been at some point in our lives in certain areas. And how you know you are one is you think to yourself, I can do it better myself. And here's the trick. With some things you can, but very few things. 
if truth be told, other people are as good and hopefully even better at a large part of the activities that you're likely doing right now. And when you can be aware of that, all of a sudden, you are much more committed to, again, your strengths and much more committed to finding people who are complementary and love to do things that you don't. So being a rugged individual is actually a huge danger and impediment to teamwork and also to growth. The sixth one is is that it's very easy for us to get resigned to and defined by our roles. And we all play a lot of different roles in life. We have a lot of roles that each one of us play. It can be mom or dad. It can be team member, team leader, owner, CEO. It can be dentist. It can be accountant. It can be lawyer. It can be professional, advisor, designer, whatever it is. What happens is we tend to really identify that as what's needed and we fit ourselves and squish ourselves and cut parts off just to fit into that role. And the problem is it's actually, again, not fully authentic. It actually doesn't fully express who you are. And so one of the much more powerful approaches that we've found is that what kind of a mom are you? What kind of a dad are you? What kind of a team member are you? What kind of a CEO are you? So as opposed to fitting yourself into a role, make the role fit you. Play to your strengths. Identify the parts that you're unique at. Find teamwork where there are areas that you're not unique at. And I find that incredibly liberating. I'm not a huge fan of quote-unquote roles unless they are personalized and individualized to you. That's actually what makes it much better. And teamwork, frankly, is really limited between roles. In certain organizations, for instance, in a hospital, it's very defined. What do nurses do? What do nursing assistants do? What do doctors do? And the teamwork works to a degree. But when things really go to the next level is when people's unique talents come out. You hear about special nurses who just have this unique ability to connect with patients, especially terminal ones, to help explain the situation, to talk about how absolutely important it is that the treatment regimen get followed. And without that real compassion that that person has, frankly, the patient experience and the parent experience, especially if it's a child, is really, really different. So the roles to our mind is really only the starting point. It is not the end point. So have the role fit you, not the other way around. Another aspect that prevents teamwork is that people are not confident about their ability to hire or manage other people. And I run into this all the time. So it looks complex, it looks challenging, it looks hard, you're not confident in your skills, and frankly, it's easier just to do it, again, yourself. However, there is a world of unique ability talent out there. And if you, again, have big goals that require more than just you to be able to pull them off, then it's important to start to build some confidence, to build some capability. And yes, at the very beginning, it may take some courage in order to be able to get there, but that's really important. The starting point for that is to really trust that there are great people out there who are aligned with what it is that you're doing, who want to help you, who are supportive by nature and have a lot to bring to the table. If you just even know or trust that even a little bit, that will be the very first step that you need. I know that when I was looking at hiring my very first person, I was terrified. I was like, oh no, I don't know if I can keep them busy. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know anything about tracking people's progress. I know nothing about how to support them. What do I do if they're failing? What do I do if they make a mistake? All of these things were like, ah, I did not know what to do. I was sharing a part-time support person with another team member. And she wanted me to take over this part-time person by myself. So I was dithering, by the way, about a part-time person. I laugh at it now, but it was like, then it was a big deal. So it took about a week to make my decision. At the end of it, I was like, okay, I'll hire her. I'll take it on. I'll try it for a little while, see how it works. 
Well, three weeks after this person was working with me, I asked her how soon she could go full-time. It was profound. All the things she filled in, all the things she just did, there was a lot of room for improvement. She just took over, did it brilliantly, was wonderful to work with, had a very responsive way of working, so she saw things I didn't even see. And I was like, okay, I need a lot more of you than just part-time. So it was funny. We had a great person. We'd road tested her a little bit, so I wasn't the complete guessing game. But it was amazing just how powerful and how quickly my thinking shifted to have that teamwork with her. Another issue that gets in the way of teamwork, especially if you're looking at hiring people, or you may think that you're not in a position to hire people, is that we think we can't afford it. Now, this mindset comes also from thinking about people as costs versus investments. And to some extent, you may be looking at yourself that way. You may be thinking, I'm not sure if I'm worth the investment. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that you are. But when you think you can't afford it, you need to get a little bit resourceful. It's one of my favorite words, by the way. And you start to think about, okay, well, do I actually need to pay this person all up front for their salary? Or do I, in fact, am I going to pay it every two weeks, which is exactly what you're going to do? You have a lot of impact over their success. You can make course corrections as you go along. And you can start small. What I really love about our world right now is that you can access unique ability talent over the entire planet. There are so many crowdsourcing options, a couple of ones that I have really appreciated. One of them is called Fiverr, F-I-V-R-R, and that is a great way to have tasks done for $5 each. Five bucks. That's kind of amazing that people are willing to do that. There's another one for $10. We use one called Rev.com, R-E-V.com, that is a transcription service. And they're amazing. They turn things around in less than a day. And it's really high quality. And the typing is great. And they capitalize the right stuff. It's pretty much fully packaged. And it has completely freed up people on our own team that used to do that kind of work. And with Rev.com, it's a dollar a minute. So very fast turnaround, very accurate. When you're resourceful, all of a sudden you start looking at different places. And if you don't have the mindset that you have to do everything yourself, all of a sudden your eyes open. You start to ask people. You start to talk to people. You start to Google things. Like, hmm, there's a whole world of talent out there that is just ready and waiting. And frankly, the $5 that you think is worth nothing to someone else is a big deal. Now, they may be across the planet, but who cares? You're in teamwork with one another. I find that incredibly exciting. I've just met and talked with another phenomenal resource called Delegate Solutions. And in this company, you can hire a VA, a virtual assistant, that is the equivalent of a high-level executive assistant. And she said most of her clients use people for about 20 hours a week. So for about $12,000 a year, they get the benefit of a $50,000 a year person. I think that's phenomenal. These people do marketing, they do scheduling, they do all sorts of things to leverage people. So if you think it's expensive, in fact, not hiring someone is expensive. Doing everything yourself is expensive. There's a huge opportunity cost to you not doing what you're best at and what leverages you. So if you think about freeing yourself up for bigger opportunities, this kind of makes sense. And to just really cement this one, I want you to let you know that if you don't have an assistant, you are one. It is really important that you actually look at it from the mindset that you are worth investing in, and then in fact, it will pay off in spades. The last obstacle that I'm going to talk with you about goes back to this rugged individual mindset. This is really where you think you can do it better yourself, even when you have a team. 
And I've run into this. I've run into people with teams. They have capable people working for them, but they don't maximize them. Why? Because they actually don't see them as people. They see them as things. They see them as cogs in a wheel, and they get really frustrated because the people don't operate to the level that they want them to. But the barrier, in fact, is this rugged individualism mindset. It's almost, I hate to say it, but almost an arrogance that, well, I can do their jobs better than they can, but I just can't get to them. Mm, That doesn't really attract unique ability, creativity, people volunteering new ideas because they're scared that you're going to criticize them. So if you have a team, look at it. Are you looking at them as things, as cogs in a wheel? And there's a language that goes along with this. If you call people employees and staff, you probably have a much more mechanistic way of looking at your team. If you really want what we call unique ability teamwork, look at them as individuals. Look at them as team members. Call them team members. Really? They're your partners. Nicole is my support partner for a reason. She is not my employee, nor is she my assistant. In fact, I want her to manage me is really how I look at it. So when you start to frame things that way, again, you start to look at things a little bit differently. So I hope this overview of the 10 obstacles to great teamwork have inspired you. I hope you've mentally checked off the things that are true for you and crossed off the ones that weren't, and that now you have a new perspective on how to break through to a new level of thinking about how you can have really great unique ability teamwork. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at questions at strategiccoach.com. And as always, here's to your team success.